This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to Calm Versations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's Calmversant is Professor Edward Dutton, known on YouTube as the Jolly Heretic. Edward Dutton, who is not knighted yet, but I keep on wanting to call him sir because he's British, even though he's located in Finland, and spends an exorbitant amount of time, well, not exorbitant, more than any other YouTuber on YouTube, discussing issues that pertain to politics, identity politics, and specifically what he's really on fire about is the decline in intelligence in our populations, specifically in the West. And in this conversation, we talk about his research into the matter of declining intelligence and what that portends for our culture. And if there is a silver lining in what otherwise would be seen or at least tasted as a black pill. All cylinders are running in this conversation. I do what I can to catch up and ask him smart questions, but you know me, sometimes they kind of mumble out of me rather than come all pre-prepared and pre-packaged, but that's why you love me. And that's why I love you because you love me doing me and doing tonight or this afternoon, Professor Edward Dutton, otherwise known as the Jolly Heretic. So here you go. States, like in church. In, sorry, in church. What do you mean in church? No, I didn't say church. Why do they always put like random cities and states of America in church? On shirts? Yeah. I don't know. People like America. <laughs> and I have saw so, my classmate Sarah, the ginger one, with yeah, glasses, yeah. uh, wear a whole Ohio shirt. <laughs> yeah, people think America's cool, Martha. They think it's a cool place. Ohio is goofy, Ashley. Yeah, but speaking of Americans, I've got to speak to an American now, so I'll see you in a bit. Why? He's interviewing me for his his uh, channel. It's a very American channel. Oh, hi, hello. <laughs> uh, crocket. Um. <laughs> Hi, how do you do? Hi. Good, how are you doing, sir? Sorry, my daughter was just, um, she's, she's, she's fascinated by America at the moment. <laughs> um, they, it's Finland and they, they imitate America and they, uh, oh, yeah. and what, yeah. uh, where What's, are you in America? Where about you? Um, um, I'm in, uh, the Western state of Washington. It's, um, it's like a rainforest. It's very similar to Ireland, I think, in climate. A little, just about as wet um, as a county. I wonder, if I, get, I wonder if I can get you bigger. If I do, if I do that, yeah, you can hide oh, yourself yeah, if you want. Oh yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've, um, well, I've not been to Washington State, but I, I've been no. The, the far, the furthest west I've been is, I think, Arizona or Utah. I don't know which is further west. Uh, but, um, same time zone. Yeah, so so that, that's the yeah that's my. But I'm going to California this summer for. Why would you uh, go to California uh, just to like making, sleep film, on the streets? Film, no, no, no. Well, sleep, yeah, sleep, no, yeah, sleep, yes, yes, yes. In that sense, yes, I'm doing a I'm 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 doing a documentary on intelligence decline. So yes. it's it's my intention to I want to see these fentanyl addled, uh, uh, street sleeping people in San Francisco and. Uh, related places for myself and talk have, to them 
Have you seen the poop map? There's an app, a poop map app for San Francisco where, where people document where all the poop is because there's a lot of poop I'm, everywhere. I, I, I have not seen that map. No, I shall, I shall, uh, I shall bear that in mind. <laughs> but but uh, uh, yeah, so that's the, that's, the, um, that's the idea. And then also other places I want to go to as part of the, doing the, the movie, like uh, Detroit I want to go to. Okay. Um, and um, some of these places will be quite dangerous, so I'm, I'm going to get a gun. And, uh, okay. and don't you don't yeah. you guys use swords you, like like with canes? Oh like yeah, the cane sword? yeah. We that's uh, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Um, uh, not uh, not for not since World War Two. Um, but but so that's why you had to come. The Germans taught you guys. We just used yeah. swords. Yeah, the Germans had guns. It was disastrous. <laughs> it's like uh, a little. It was not no. even evenly matched. That's no. why you guys roped us in. Fine. Okay. Let's go then. Let's get on with it. Oh yeah, let's get on with it. Why? Okay. What? Why is intelligence so important to you? Because I am that kind of person that likes to understand the nature of things, and in order to understand the nature of things, you have to have a space. You have to have a a a, a, a space within the society to be able to do that. And you can only have a space within a society where there are people who are able to do that if your society is sufficiently advanced, if your society is sufficiently developed. If everyone has to concentrate on just farming and getting food, uh, then there's no space for people to think about things and understand in, in, a, in a complex, uh, abstract way, the nature of things. And intelligence essentially underpins all aspects of civilization that you can possibly conceive of. Uh, at the, we have uh, national level IQs, and these national level IQs uh, are, they correlate with other measures or other national measures of intuitive measures of intelligence, such as how well you do in school exams or uh, how well you do in international. Uh, scholastic assessments or whatever very very strongly uh and uh the, the they current the uh, the national level the correlations with markers of civilization the education system the political system levels of corruption uh levels of development life expectancy uh the ability to maintain hospitals the anything you can think of uh either in a, to a medium extent or often strongly correlates with intelligence so um, intelligence is extremely important. We know intelligence was going up. We can trace alleles uh, across time in ancient uh, genomes, which tell us that intelligence was going up across time uh, up until the Industrial Revolution. Markers of intelligence, uh, correlates of it were going up across time, such as head size, such as, uh, which is a, a correlates at 0.3 with our IQ, such as per capita major innovation, such as various other markers. So we know that intelligence is the engine behind uh, wh why we have the civilization that we have, why it is that you and I were having these discussions about about putting on headphones and the sound being clean and whatever before the show, yeah. all of these little things that we take for we we take for granted. The idea that you're sitting in America and I'm sitting in Finland and we can do this, um, it, it, it's it's all underpinned by intelligence, and so intelligence is just hugely important. And my research indicates it's in decline, and so that in itself is a, is a very serious problem well uh, so does everybody need to be intelligent can 10 percent of the population be intelligent and then the population or the civilization gets along just fine well the question is what what is the average intelligence so what 
what we uh, in, intelligence is a bit like height it's distributed on a bell curve and most people are in height are at the center of the bell curve and then you get you get uh, fewer and fewer people as you move away from the bell curve uh, from the center of the bell uh, towards the you know like this and um yeah the, the, so we're talking about the average intelligence of the population intelligence always you're always going to get some people in any society who are uh let's say two standard deviations below the mean i.e. people aren't very intelligent um or, or so the mean is 100 so therefore two standard deviations below the mean would be 70 uh and and 70 is normally the borderline for retardation um, at least by western standards um and then uh, two standard deviations above the mean is 130 uh that would be the iq of i don't know a, a science professor or or a senior lawyer or a senior architect or something like that and then at the extremes you get the very very clever very, very stupid people that have an iq of below 70 that are retarded and basically can't function in society can't work uh and then you get uh, at the other end above 130 the very very clever people the the um outliers uh which is going to be you know major physicists and you know really seriously clever people and the question is it's the average uh, it's the average that's important so in india it's for the functioning of society so a fascinating country i don't know if you've been there i went there once is india now india because of its caste system you have this extreme level of endogamy within these thousands of social castes and what this means is that there is this stereotype, you know, among men that the, the, the female sexually selects for status. She's turned on by status and uh, for sound evolutionary reasons, because if you marry a high status man, he'll invest in you, he'll invest in the offspring, you have resources, you're more likely to survive. And also intelligence pleiotropically correlates, intelligence genetically correlates with physical and mental health basically. So it's a good thing for her to do. The man doesn't have to care so much about this. He can just, you know, pump and dump. And to the extent he has less to lose from the sexual encounter, he can't get pregnant. So he will, to the extent that he selects, he's going to select for youth because young people are more likely to get pregnant. And he's going to select for beauty because beauty, well, a significant component of beauty is basically symmetry um, and, and the averageness of the population. And that implies good genes and, and therefore that the, the offspring will be healthy. So in India, they, they prevent that process from happening. Uh, about 95% of Indians marry people that are in their caste. It's no good being a, a Brahmin man and seeing a, a, I don't know, a really, really good-looking uh, Dalit woman. What you, no, that's very, very socially unacceptable to do that. The result is that even though the, you get very, very intelligent people in India that do brilliant things, but the average IQ of India, because it's hot, because basic needs are met, because selection pressure is just not high for IQ, is low. It's about 80, and what that, which is 20 points below, uh, um, you know, let's say England. And so the result of that is that you have a society of, that reflects what low IQ is about. What, what, what are the correlates of IQ? I, I look at these in my book, At Our Wits End, Why We're Becoming Less Intelligent and What It Means for the Future. So uh, think achievement motivation, altruism, analytic style, abstract thinking, um, uh, craft work, creativity, healthy diet democracy and the ability to sustain democracy educational attainment emotional sensitivity health and fitness income uh breadth of interests uh trust memory uh, uh and most importantly uh it's it's that you think about the future
So what you have in a country like India is lots of people that are that are present oriented that make lots and lots of stupid mistakes all the time, and you you have chaos, and this precludes the society as a whole from doing brilliant things that it could otherwise do. Even though in India, because of its huge uh, diversity um, genetically, you have some extraordinarily intelligent people. Yeah. So this is this just illustrates the importance of intelligence and what happens if intelligence goes down, which it is doing. There was an article that was published in uh, 1938, I think it was, by Raymond Cattell, uh, who was an American, or originally British, but he moved to America, a psychologist. And he showed that, well, it, it is, what would it be like in a society of declining intelligence quotient? And it was unbelievably prescient. He said, well, look, the education system is going to be debased. Um, people are going to have to stay at school longer and longer to make up for their increasing stupidity. Uh, the, the education system will just become corrupt and everything will be focused on money and everything else because that's the kind of things that low IQ people think about. They don't think about artistry or the greater good. or it, They just think about base things. Society will become more and more focused on sex. Because, again, basically people that are low IQ are kind of instinctive, essentially. Um, and and uh, uh, the society, will there'll be less social life because of lower trust. Society will become, the, you know, the, the churches will close down, the Masonic lodges will close down. All these things are happening. Uh, and uh, so it is, that's why it is such an important area. Okay. So what are the influences of raising the average IQ or lowering the average IQ from your point of view? What are the inferences? L influences. Like how, how does this what are the what are the causes? Okay. Well so the the um the heritability of IQ, so the degree to which it is basically genetic at the individual level is about 0.8. So we can, in, in, sim in simple terms, we can say that IQ is something, among adults, IQ is about 80% genetic. Um, not among children, because among children, your parents are creating your environment. So they could be more intelligent than you or less intelligent than you. On average, they're about the same as you, but they could be more or less. And so if you have highly intelligent parents, but you're not very bright, then they will be pushing you to your phenotypic maximum IQ throughout your childhood. And then you'll go to a really good university and then probably you'll drop out or struggle because suddenly you'll be creating an environment consistent with your own innate IQ. Alternatively, the opposite can happen. An intelligent person can have stupid parents retarded by them until they are 18 or whatever and then they start to create their own environment but in, so therefore we say that among adults it's about 80 percent uh genetic um the, the environmental component is uh, really it's uh, well within certain limitations i mean if you, you know, really poor nutrition or whatever ridiculously poor nutrition is going to affect it but basically the environmental component is intellectual stimulation so it's a, the brain's a muscle, and the more you use it, the bigger it gets. Okay. So if if you are uh, intellectually stimulated, if you hang around with intelligent people, if you if you stimulate yourself intellectually, then you will reach your you will reach your phenotypic maximum IQ. And this has been uh, documented to some extent uh, in a phenomenon you may have heard of called the Flynn effect. And uh, this was the uh, this was the idea that it was noted across the twentieth century that IQ scores were going up. But the problem is that doesn't mean that we were becoming more intelligent. In fact, we weren't. We were becoming less intelligent. But what was happening was that there was uh, the IQ, the intelligence is a little bit like a pyramid. And at the base of the pyramid, you have what we might call specialised abilities, the ability to, I don't know, catch a ball or do up your shoelaces or drive a car or something like that. 
And then above that, you have the main forms of intelligence, linguistic, spatial, and mathematical. And then they intercorrelate. And so you have a concept called G, general intelligence. It's the pinnacle of intelligence. Now, um, the, IQ the IQ test measures these specialized abilities, and it's not a perfect measure of G. And so what was happening was that the IQ scores were going up, but they were going up on one of these well, a number of these specialized abilities, which weakly correlate with intelligence, specifically similarities. Essentially, so, um, living in a more scientific society was training us to think in a more scientific, analytical way. Yeah, which was and, which is uh, very or much more easier to document and to measure with the tests because the tests, uh, the, the scientific thinking correlates or syncs up yes. with the way that these tests. Exactly. Work. So the result, the result of that was this was happening so quickly and so massively that it came across on the imperfect instrument, the IQ test as an IQ rise, but we weren't actually becoming more intelligent on, uh, it was the, on this very narrow ability. Now, what you'd predict is that eventually we would reach, it would reach its phenotypic maximum. And then whatever was happening in terms of the genetic components of intelligence, the things that the, the, the real intelligence would poke through, even on the IQ tests. Uh, and that started to be seen in, in about, so there's like a cloaking effect. Uh, an IQ decline is being cloaked in a, in a, in a suboptimal test by a massive rise on one component of okay. the test. Think of it as a bit like human height. How long your legs are is massively environmental. How long your torso is, is massively genetic. So we could be becoming essentially shorter on the torso, but this could be counterbalanced by longer on the legs. Huh. Eventually, we would reach the environmental maximum for the long legs, and then we'd start getting actually shorter because the, 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 suddenly the genetic component of the, of the torso is shortening. You okay. see what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's like it's like that. So, so yeah. And so then, about ninety-seven, we start to see to keep people born about nineteen seventy-nine. Uh, we start to see evidence of actually a negative Flynn effect, and the evidence is that this is on G. This is a genetic effect. So, so the idea is that you have that we are declining on uh, genetically, and this is con intelligence, and this is consistent with evidence from Iceland, which has shown that across the last three generations, alleles that are so uh, that are associated essentially with high intelligence have been among the native Icelandic. Uh, there's a white Icelandic population uh, have been decreasing uh, in prevalence uh, in in the population, and there's all kinds of other markers on which we are becoming. Uh, yeah. Less intelligent as 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 as, as well. Is uh, this so an we, 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 environmental effect? Is it is it just because life's getting more easy? Or no, no. I said, I said, I said. It's, it's on. It's no, no. It's on. It's on. No, it's on G. It's on G. So it's a genetic effect. So the alleles that are associated with intelligence are decreasing across time in prevalence in the population, controlling for immigration and things like that. So it's a genetic effect. So are so, we breeding it out of ourselves then? Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, okay. yes, we are. And not only are we breeding it out of ourselves, we're, uh, uh, intelligence is genetically correlated with health. So we are breeding for low IQ, we are breeding for heart attacks, we are breeding for strokes, we are breeding for cancer susceptibility, we are we are breeding um, for, uh, to, a, to a certain degree, mental ill health. We are, uh, we are, uh, this won't go on forever, but it's necessarily, but it's happening now. We, we are breeding for, we are in dysgenics. And the reason is, well, there's a number of reasons. So first of all, in, until 
about 1800, we were under harsh Darwinian selection pressure, and the child mortality rate was about 50%. And so, in so much as um, the brain is a marker of low mutational load it's a marker of a high functioning nervous system and intelligence genetically correlates with health so we were every generation selecting out essentially low iq people uh, and people who um as a corollary of that would have poor immune systems uh, all what were we selecting for we were selecting for basically genetic physical health genetic mental health uh, intelligence, to a certain extent, religiosity, which correlates genetically with health and with uh, and uh, and things like this, uh, and sort of being group oriented, ultimately being sort of conservative, really. And these were the things we were selecting for. And these things, even now, are uh, there's slight nuance to this, but they're correlated even now with with fertility, with mental health, with physical health. We're, we're, uh, 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 so they are an adaptation. Okay. So that's what we that's what we were selecting for. The, so then, child mortality gradually collapses with the industrial revolution and its innovations of various kinds, from fifty percent in eighteen hundred to about ten percent in eighteen eighty to about one percent today. Mm-hmm. So obviously, what that's do what that means is you've you've gone from a situation where the, the society is extremely healthy, uh, physically and mentally and highly intelligent um and it and uh, and this collapses and so you have then just for that reason alone the, the 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 selection pressure there was before the industrial revolution a correlation essentially between intelligence and fertility we know that we've got wills on this the, the co- intelligence correlates with wealth at about 0.4 the until the uh, the richer 50 percent of the population uh, from parish records and so forth have double the completed fertility of the poorer 50% of the population. And we know heads were getting bigger. And and so we know we were selecting for intelligence. We were becoming more intelligent across time, okay. which is uh, under these harsh conditions, which yeah. is why we had the Industrial Revolution, essentially. Now, once that happens, these situa- this collapses. So then the relationship that was positive between intelligence and how many children you have just ceases so that, that's the first thing and you have they're talking about this even by the 1860s that the the, the, the lower classes or whatever that are having more and more children uh, and they're concerned it's going to cause the collapse of civilization as far as they can see they have an understanding that it's heritable these traits and that the the, the that they would have died off in the past and now they survive and people are just becoming sicker and sicker and sicker that's the first thing that was the problem the second is then you get the introduction of contraception and contraception, reliable contraception, is taken up initially by the higher classes and moves down the society. And so then more intelligent people are limiting their fertility. Yeah. And there's a degree to which contraception is an intelligence test. Um, so if you're stupid, you will be too impulsive to even use contraception and you'll just have sex and just you won't be able you won't think about the future. Uh, someone that's a bit less stupid will use it, but use it wrong. Uh, for example, the pill. Um, do, do, do you t- does a woman take the pill religiously at the same time every day as she's supposed to, or does she knock it back with a glass of red wine in the evening? You know, when she remembers. And that's the difference between accidental pregnancy and and, and not getting pregnant, right? Okay. So, they, so you have contraception. Then you have feminism. Feminism encourages women to um, basically to take on male roles and so forth, and the 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 and to pursue their careers and all this. And the result of that is that if you think about when you were at school, the 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 more in, the the less intelligent woman 
drops out of school at 16. The more intelligent woman, she stays in. And she dedicates her, the whole of her 20s and increasingly even the first part of her 30s to her uh, university education and then to her career. And then maybe she gets married and she has one child or something like that. Often the most intelligent of them, for reasons we can look at, if you like, don't have children at all. Um, whereas the the less intelligent woman she she's had a series of relationships and a series of children by a series of men and she's becoming a grandmother at let's say 38 yeah. by the time her more intelligent contemporary is having her one child yeah. so she doesn't just have more children she has more generations um so that's the second that's another, and then the third reason is welfare so welfare was set up as a safety net and whatever yeah now you can live off it. Certainly in England, um, a, a family that has, I don't know, six or seven kids can end up with a higher income, essentially, than a, than a reasonably middle-class educated couple who wouldn't dare to behave like this. And the result is that in the UK, if you divide up between families where, where both parents are working, IQ 100, families where one parent's on welfare, IQ let's say 90, families where both parents are on welfare, IQ let's say 85, and families where both parents are on welfare and you have the police and the social workers involved and whatever, so the criminal underclass, only that group has above replacement fertility. So, um, and that's even forgetting about immigration and forgetting about the fact that a lot of countries aren't sending their best, like even putting that even aside. Okay. So um, all of these factors mean that um, intelligence is in decline. Okay, so um, I have two questions. One's a footnote um, that I'll introduce now and then get to the main question. Religiosity. So in the popular imagination or in pop culture, religiosity is correlated with stupidity, with backwardness, with rigidity of thinking. But you just um, said earlier that religiosity is a marker of intelligence. So can you flesh that out? Like, what is it about? Well, no, I, I didn't. I, I, it, it probably was a marker of intelligence then. So the, okay. the, 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 na the nature of intelligence, it, it, intelligence is not inherently adaptive. In intelligence is adaptive in certain circumstances. It's not. It's not adaptive in others. Um, one of the things that correlates with intelligence is basically social conformity, norm mapping. So intelligent people are better able to look around the world and notice what the dominant value system is, and they are better able via their intelligence, via effortful control. This is uh, uh, to persuade themselves of the veracity of that set of values and therefore gain social status and then once they've done that they will competitively signal their conformity to that set of values so that the set of values will move in let's say a liberal direction so what we have at the moment is a kind of runaway liberalism which is um un in the in, in the american sense of the word liberalism you know, leftism essentially uh which, which is underpinned which is uh, sorry which is spearheaded by intelligent people constantly moving it more left you know now you didn't have that necessarily in the past in fact you had quite the opposite in a right-wing society like victorian england you had runaway conservatism and intelligence would be associated with certainly with, with, with basically being highly puritanical and it was the uh, ordinary people who were who were let who were more in a sense left wing who were more uh, sexually liberal and 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 there would be these moral panics about them 
Sure. So intelligence, the what intelligence is associated with within the normal range, I mean, because people that have very very high IQ will often um, that often correlate to aspects of autism, and that will make them very truth focused and questioning of whatever the dominant set of values is. But within the normal range, our intelligence is, is tends to be associated with um, with social conformity, and at that point in history, uh, religiosity. Uh, I would suspect was associated with intelligence. Okay, Whereas now the opposite is true. It's not social conformity based on laziness or the lack of curiosity, but rather um, facilitated by status seeking. By, yes, by act, yes status, so. status seeking. It's, it's active social conformity. And there is a degree to which it, it is adaptive to do that. Not just social conformity, but you, you, you competitively social conform. So you conform more than the last man. Yeah. So if the last man says, oh, well, of course, transsexuals should be uh, allowed in women's sports then you push this further and say well transsexuals should be allowed in women's prisons um and 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 on 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 it goes like this until it reaches a a point where you just have chaos essentially where where enough people are because we have these five moral foundations we are we are a, a pack animal so we have to we have we we are therefore concerned with obedience to authority uh with the loyalty to our group uh and with the sanctity which is basically about keeping bad things out illness and whatever yeah. um, and then we are but we have to reach the top of the hierarchy because in prehistory there's as we discussed earlier there was an association between uh complete fertility and status and so this means you have individually oriented values these are um harm avoidance because if you avoid harm to yourself you avoid harm uh, to others you know so there and equality wanting this what everyone else has mm -hmm. so there's these balance yes. between the two now liberals tend to be high only in the individually oriented uh, uh, uh values and low in the group oriented ones conservatives are, are the same in about all five so the result is that there's asymmetrical empathy and conservatives will give ground to liberals and things will therefore tend to move to the left until enough people experience dysphoria, enough people feel that their desire for uh, in-group loyalty and sanctity and obedience uh, are not met, until there's basically chaos, often until it comes up against a war. Yeah. And, and, th and then there will be a conservative backlash and intelligent people will flip over to conservatism and you'll have conservatism yeah. signaling for a while and so on. So that's how it tends to you work. Know, I, I, I think that the backlash is a fraught metaphor. I think we think like the, the pendulum, we think in terms of pendulum, but what I've witnessed over the last six, seven, eight years with the rise of so-called social justice warriors and stuff like that is that these, uh, these liberal or leftist um, people who, who overload their morality around fairness and around harm reduction what what surges up in them is purity is loyalty and so you see these moral panics such as at evergreen state college or during the 2020 riots where the so-called left is having an, an completely unrestrained moment of demanding loyalty to a cause yeah you you make a good point um with the uh the, the, the research on these moral foundations is by jonathan Haidt, mm -hmm. and he engages in a sort of factor analysis so it, what i said about conservatives and liberals in general that's true but the, but then there is some evidence that although conservatives are higher in uh, sorry, li liberals are higher in um, equality and, and equality. Sorry, in, in the li li liberals are lower in in disgust than conservatives yeah. overall, but they are higher in moral disgust, very mm. specifically. And so, therefore, you could argue they are higher in moral purity. Yeah. So, a conservative might say, "Well, look, I don't agree with your morality, 
that we have all these other things in common, so let's go for a drink and let's be friends. But uh, a liberal's not going to do that. We'll, we'll be less likely to do that. We're more likely to see that as that that thing as really, really important. Okay, so and so uh, what you see is this really odd, almost hypocritical um, uh, display of uh, hyper morality married with, but like polyamory mixed with a hyper focus on moral purity. Right. So so behaviors yes. that are kind of disgusting to, from a conservative point of view are embraced by the left, you know, uh, swapping body parts, uh, just free sex, libertinism. But in on the left, which is, you know, the rainbow flag and the progress flag, they still have a very high moral uh, demand. Well, I, I, another another way to look at it uh, is in terms of, of what um, ecologies these people are evolved to. And that goes back to what I was saying about evolution earlier. Yeah. So what we were selecting for under harsh Darwinian conditions until 1800 was to be highly group oriented. We were selecting for group or and we were under group selection as well. We were battling with other groups. Let's say if I talk about the English, we were battling with other groups like uh, like the French or or or, or what? Let's talk the the Anglosphere, the English peoples, English Americans, whatever Canadians, yeah. Australians, and they and they were battling against the French and 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 and, and so on. So you've got this these selection pressures. Um, so we're selecting to be group oriented and there's a degree to which what religiosity does is it takes that which is what it used to do is take that which is for the benefit of the group and make it into the will of god such that you do it okay um and even religions are under a kind of evolutionary pressure as well and you get individually oriented ones and then they the better people get killed and and and, and 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 whatever uh so so that's uh that's the kind of uh, situation we were under it, so what these people are these these liberals are individualists i don't mean individualists in the ayn rand sense i mean that they are not adapted to a group oriented ecology they they are they were selected against under harsh darwinian conditions they 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 are mutants they 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 are products of mutation and consistent with this being liberal and being irreligious correlates with infertility it correlates with poor mental health it correlates with poor physical health it correlates even with things like having an asymmetrical face so just being ugly Hmm. Um, so this is all evidencing that that they are these mutants that are that would have survived in an easier ecology. Let's say the ecology of the jungle, where where basic needs are met, but okay. the, the jungle is unstable. So you have to be selfish. You have to be out for your own interests. You're just out for your own survival. Yeah. Now, how how do you do that? How do you, you're just out for your own survival. You just want to get power for you. But then also, these people, because they are high mutational load, they're also high in mental illness. So they're, they're, they're neurotic, they're, they're self-doubting, they're, they're, they're anxious or whatever. So how do you get power in that context? You can't get it through a fair fight because you'd be paranoid about being beaten up. And also, you're physically weak. And there is evidence that liberal men are literally physically weaker than conservative men. Okay. So how do you do it? Well, you have to do it. It, it, it. You have to play for status in the way that women do, which is which is which is a subtle way. It's via virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. So you virtue signal about equality and harm avoidance, and you make yourself seem nice. Now you don't. You're not actually nice. We know they're not nice because liberalism correlates with Machiavellianism, i.e., being power hungry. So you can imagine that if you are neurotic and if you are you fear everybody and you're high in all these negative feelings well you'll want to have power over people and so therefore that makes you machiavellian and you want to have power so you're not interested in consistency uh, you're okay. interested in 
you're you're speaking Machiavellianism as a uh, in a very specific sense. I think I think of Machiavellism as as being able to play a long game, but you're not talking about that. You're t you're talking well, about a very short game oriented. Mm, oh, I see. What, I see what you mean. No, well, I, I don't know whether it's long or short, but but in in the psychological literature, Machiavellianism is is used as a synonym okay. for basically being power hungry. Okay. Okay. And then another thing that's true of them is that they're high in narcissism. So if you are a high in mental instability and you have lots of self-doubt and what, and you feel crap, basically, then one way you can deal with that is by telling yourself that you're brilliant and you're fantastic and you're perfect. Um, this this false self, essentially. Um, and 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 but you will crave admiration. How do you get admiration? Well, in a left-wing society, you're more left-wing than the last man. So these are the kind of people that we're we're dealing with. Yeah, and either more... virtue signaling or or oppression gathering like you're either search uh signaling that you're protecting the weak or you're signaling that you are weaker than than everybody well, else. That, that's another thing virtuous victimhood and that was found to, that was found to correlate with Machiavellianism and narcissism as well so mm. yeah so those the, the, they they use these covert methods to attain power because of what mutation is going to bring about is people that are individually oriented on the one hand individualist but also just people that are mentally ill and those things they're all the things that we were selecting against Okay. And those things are going to clump together yeah. in what I call these spiteful mutants. Um, um, and, and, and then, uh, of course, these spiteful mutants are eventually going to reach a tipping point. They're eventually going to become a certain percentage of society. where, And then about 20% often it's been calculated of a society and the society tips over. And I think that happened in the 60s. We tipped over in... Uh, England and America in probably 63, I'd say, is the turning point from being a group oriented society that was taking people that were increasingly higher mutational load, but was forcing them in a group oriented direction along an adaptive roadmap of life. Okay. Um, to being an individually oriented society, which is now taking people, some of whom may actually be quite group oriented, and pushing them along a maladaptive roadmap of life and saying don't have children life has no meaning be ashamed of your race be ashamed of your sex uh and and and, and all of this uh, this sort of thing and i think that flip has occurred uh okay. yeah, about 1963 okay so um to to Sorry to do this, but to really collapse uh, what you were saying about the causes of um, this uh, decrease in intelligence, contraception, mm -hmm. feminism, welfare, I'm just going to collapse that all into two factors. One is technology, which allows a population boom, and the other is compassion, which disallows the imposition of artificial um, harsh conditions. Right. So how do you change the direction without instituting artificially harsh conditions, right? Because technology and compassion have withdrawn those harsh conditions. Yeah, well, it, I mean, what, what the, I think, yeah, compassion, that's a, that's a good way of, uh, of summarizing it. Yeah, what compassion basically is, 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 is runaway individualism, runaway individually oriented values, equality, harm avoidance, and therefore runaway focus on, on compassion. Um, uh, but my new book, which is coming out in May, The Breeding of the Human Herd, Eugenics, Dysgenics, and the Future of the Species, um, I look at the history of this. So we had this period, uh, this optimum period, I guess, where we were highly, we were, we were sufficiently group oriented to be concerned about the future of the group and sufficiently uh, intelligent to understand what was going on and sufficiently irreligious because religion would often say, oh, just let God's will, blah, 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 don't interfere. Yeah. 
um, but, but that was declining. And so there were all these factors that, and that, that came came into themselves that meant that we instituted eugenic policies. Um, in America, particularly, America would sterilize people that had particularly low IQ. Britain never had such laws, but there were various American states that yeah. that did that. Okay. Um, have I broken up again or something? Yeah, you, we're still coming through. It's just this okay. is scary so, stuff to look um, at. So. <laughs> So, so, so that was what was the situation. Now, the, the number of things caused the decline in this. The first, people say oh, it was the Holocaust and the World War II. It wasn't. The, fir the, the first was the Depression, the Great Depression. And every, it's amazing to think how popular eugenics was uh, between about 1860 and uh, about maybe the, the 50s. It was, it was so, it, it was like the woke of its day. I mean, you, you have people now at schools campaigning against CRT. In summer 1914, you had parents at a school in Derbyshire in England campaigning against their children being taught eugenics because they thought it was inappropriate. It was too sexual for young girls to know about this stuff. So it was everybody, particularly women, it, it was hugely popular. All the important people in society, prime ministers, presidents of America, everybody that mattered was into eugenics. It was just the thing. Everybody was a eugenicist. Uh, on the left, on the right, it didn't matter. There were the, the opponents, to the extent they existed, would be the conservative religious. Um, uh, the left were particularly into it. Uh, communists were into this. And you had all this... In Finland, where I am, it was huge. Uh, the first the problem was the Wall Street crash. Wall Street crash meant you had lots of people that were probably pro-eugenics, and then suddenly they're finding themselves poor through no fault of their own. And, of course, they're not prepared to accept that, oh, I'm some dysgenic mutant. So they, they deal with it by starting to question eugenics and, and starting to say, oh, maybe there are other factors involved. That was, the that was the first thing. So in the 30s, then, there's an attempt to revive eugenics because people are becoming less interested in it because of the, the Wall Street crash. Um, then it wasn't the war that did it. It really wasn't. People were going on about eugenics after the war. It was the 60s. It was the rise in individually oriented values. It was that, that change. And that's what, that was why it gradually became increasingly taboo by the 70s when uh, William Shockley was talking about it and whatever then suddenly he's being it, it's 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 a it's a taboo issue um and as for the question of can it be done in a non-harsh way uh, what i argue in the book is i i don't really see how um to, our iq is 100 uh based on current breeding patterns among the native population it will be 85 by the end of the century that is the difference between white Americans and black Americans. Now, uh, and that will be in a situation in which that will be the highest IQ pretty much of anybody in the world, 85. So this is a serious problem. Um, at the moment, we have gone, our IQ decreased by about 15 points between 1880 and two the year 2000, uh, based on reaction time data. So again, that's the difference between, let's say, a policeman and a high school science teacher. It's a big difference. Um, and it's continuing to dec uh, it's decrease by that much. And it's, and it's continuing to, to decrease. Uh, and so this, is, this does not all go well. In terms of what we can do, uh, we, we basically need people with high IQ to have more children. Okay. And people with low IQ to have fewer children. Now, to, to create that situation, um, just to break even, just to break even, Everybody with an IQ of below 92, which is one third of the population in Western countries, would need to not have children just to keep it at the IQ it is now. And I think that would be quite difficult to achieve. 
And then as for the people with high IQ, there is some evidence that, uh, which I look at in a book I've I've done called the past is a future country, the coming conservative demographic revolution. I also look at it in the new in the new book I'm doing. That intelligence is kind of negatively associated with instinct. So what what is intelligence? Intelligence is that you uh, you solve problems. How do you solve problems? You rise above your instincts and you 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 logically solve the problems. So it would follow that intelligent people would be more environmentally sensitive. They would be less instinctive. And this makes sense. I mean, we are less instinctive than bees. Bees just do certain things. It's built into them. So whereas we farm this stuff out to culture and stuff like that. Yeah. So we have to be put on the uh, you, you can you can get a, a cat and I've got a new cat and he, he he's being brought up by humans. He still does cat things. It's not been taught to him. You couldn't get a human and have him brought up by cats. And the same thing occur. Because 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 we're more environmentally sensitive. Yeah. So intelligent people then within populations are more environmentally sensitive. So this means the intelligent person has to be put on the evolutionarily adaptive roadmap of life. And if he isn't, then things go wrong. He experiences dysphoria. And an example of this would be the instinct to breed. You could imagine that a less intelligent person would just have an instinct to have sex, instinct to breed, instinct whatever. A more intelligent person wouldn't. He, it needs, he needs to be raised in the right way. And so then what you would expect is that at a certain level of civilization, if we were in an evolutionary mismatch, our match is death everywhere. Yeah. And if we were in an even and shit everywhere. And if we were in an evolutionary mismatch, then it would be the intelligent that would be the first to experience dysphoria and the first to stop, want, literally to stop wanting children. And you, you see this with, uh, it, it was commented upon uh, in, in ancient Rome and in ancient Greece. Once they had cities and they had plumbing and life was relatively good, more intelligent people, i.e. higher class people, stop having children. What's the result? The IQ goes down, the civilization collapses. And... Um, and and we don't, we are unable to do things we used to be able to do. And they tried this in ancient Rome. Augustus, in, in about the year 50, introduced a tax on childlessness among the upper classes. And they paid the tax. They would rather pay the tax than have children because yeah. they just don't want them. And you get this increase a, a lot among um, highly educated people. They'll justify it by saying, oh, well, look, I don't want kids. I, I, I'm happy with my life. And that, that's another problem that the religion will in instantiate, will inculcate them with these group oriented values. That's what they're evolved to be. And they're evolved to be in a society that is group oriented and that is religious and which indoctrinates them with group oriented values. Take that away. And they will very quickly adopt materialism, uh, adopt selfishness, adopt maladaptive things, and just resign from the gene pool. If you prime people with death, it's a technique in psychology, priming. If you prime them with death, then they their desire to have children increases. Because you're priming them with their evolutionary match. If you prime them with wealth their desire decreases because you're priming them with their evolutionary mismatch. So I think that's kind of what's going on. So to, it, would be, it would be a hell of a difficult thing to force uh, these more intelligent people to have lots and lots of kids. It would be um, very draconian to force the less intelligent to not have kids. So I suspect that, that it, we just won't be able to do it. And I suspect that um, to have, for this to happen, you'd have to have a group-oriented society. We yeah. are not a group-oriented society. So we're not going to institute eugenics to any significant degree. Um, and what I think is going to happen is that, that there's two interesting things that are happening. There's a the, You're going to get a coming apart of society. Who is breeding? Low IQ people. So that's just going to be the spread of the, the spread of 
third world chaos. That's what that's going to be. But the other group of people that are breeding is if you control for intel, if you just look at the top quartile of highly in of intelligent people, the top quartile, the big sterilizer, the big predictor of not having children, and it's partly heritable, it's like 0.6 heritable, is liberalism. And the big predictor of having children is conservatism. So highly intelligent, because that's important. People have this idea, oh, revolutions come from beneath. All we need, the sort of, you've heard of Steve Turley. Yeah. He's a YouTuber. He has this idea, oh, well, look, we'll just breed them out. All that has to happen is that the, the, the more religious are having more children, it's genetic, eventually the more religious will just take over. But it doesn't really work like that, because a big part of, of, of power is intelligence. And so what the intelligent are doing, that's what matters. That's why woke has been able to take over so much. Because, yeah, most people are against it and don't like it. But highly intelligent people are into it, and they, they're they cleverer than you. These trans activists, they're cleverer than you. And so, of course, they're able to take power, and they're more Machiavellian and devious. So you, um, what you would see then would be a reversal of the original effect. You would find that intelligent liberals would die off, and you would get the percolation upwards of these sort of Nick Fuentes types. Hmm. that's what that's what that's what the data predicts but that but but that would problem is that we're at that stage of civilization we're in our winter where you all the markers if you read uh pasha glub's book uh the fate of empires all the markers that were in the winter are there exactly the same as greece exactly the same as rome exactly the same as baghdad multicultural when religion goes the group then you, you get the rise of multiculturalism you get the rise of feminism you get the rise of homosexuality you get the rise of transsexuality nero had a trans woman uh wife Oh. Who, when he died, who, when he died, when Nero died, this trans woman married another man. So history just repeats itself. And um, and so it would be, I think it would happen in the context of collapse, because as, as trust goes down, as we get this intelligence, trust goes down and we polarise and, and, and society breaks up into smaller and smaller polities. And um, that has happened last time round. You know, I mean, think, I mean, Britain was united in the year 200. By 600, it was a series of warring kingdoms. So you, you'd get something like that, and I suspect that you will get a sort of what we might call a neo-Byzantium. I mean, uh, civilization didn't die, it fled to Byzantium, and then the Byzantium started to suck in other intelligent people from around the Western world. Okay. Uh, and so I think you'd get something like that, the process of, of new Byzantiums. So it's happening within America now. You're getting people fleeing California, let's say, for Texas. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because California is generating into chaos. Yeah. And you're going to get these kinds of movements, I suspect. What are the qualities of a new neo-Byzantium? Like, what was it about Byzantium uh, Empire that... that attracted the intelligent people well intelligent people will tend to move to the center of things so the average iq in finland of the the region around helsinki is higher than any other region and um, you you get this everywhere so more intelligent people qualify to be lawyers and doc whatever uh, high status kind of jobs uh, and they and they and they are motivated and they think about the future and they yeah. have the intelligence and ability to migrate and so they make their way to the center of civilization yeah okay. uh, and they constantly uh, do that and so uh, what you would expect is that as civilization collapses it's not going to collapse there will be certain places that will be attracted to attractive to intelligent people from everywhere that they want to go to uh, 
and they will go to them yeah. uh, and and uh, and then once they get a reputation as being well look this is the holdout of civilization then you'll start to get people from far and wide going to them and then you'll get maybe a number of byzantiums yeah. uh, that will will will, will be the remnant civilization and then eventually maybe one will win out well one one question is that if Everybody who voted in, if everybody in California who voted in the policies that destroyed California moved to, say, Texas, what, how do we know that they're not going to change their politics to align with better values? Like, do, do we trust these so-called intelligent people to adapt, to, to actually take responsibility for their well, belief that's, system? That's for, why with, that's the very interesting point. So that's why with uh, any society, you, you have tests of free, like say a religion, uh, you, you have tests of free riders, you have tests of membership. So w what I'm prognosticating is that you're going to get a situation where um, among the more intelligent people will become more and more and more religious yeah. this isn't necessarily a, a wholly good thing you're going to get like the talibanization of the west another thing that we were pro we are probably selecting for is simply wanting to have lots of children under normal conditions that's not selected for but once you once everybody can basically have a child if they want to um, then suddenly you're you're kind of selecting for that and that could lead to a population boom and fighting and whatever so you you would expect there to start to be tests of membership we would want to know uh, well are you really one of us you want to come into our community of uh, our, our community which is settled and which is uh, rich and whatever you're fleeing from california well, why 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 what did you did you vote democrat in the past did you okay don't we're not welcome yeah, okay. and you 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 would expect things like that to happen for people to say because this always happens. I mean, people you had people that were the most avid Nazis in Nazi Germany, and then those exact same people would have been the most avid communists in the German Democratic Republic, uh, and um, that was kind of accepted. But if you you can see that as society balkanizes. you're going to get people that are going to remember that they're going to say no 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 you, we know you we know your father we know what you're like. You know, you're not you're not coming here. Um, that's, you get this even in in the, in the Old Testament, which in many ways is a kind of group selection manifesto. They say the sins of the father will be upon the children for six generations yeah, or, yeah. or whatever. So you'd, you'd get things like that. Okay, it's it's just there's um, there's a paradox in the fact that what we're wanting is to have a society that produces the wealth that then destroys society, right? So we, we chase after wealth, our children inherit the wealth, and then mm -hmm. eventually, over generations, that wealth corrupts and weakens. You know, it's, yes. it's that meme, you know, strong times, good men, good men, uh, bad times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that, that seems to me to be the nature of things, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, and, and I think there's nothing you can do about it either. I think, I think that it's kind of built into the nature of, of evolution, that if, if we don't have the... the, the you, you, of course we want wealth. Of course we, uh, we select for intelligence. We're highly intelligent. We create wealth. We create wealth. We, we will reduce the harsh Darwinian conditions which yeah. allowed us to be intelligent enough to create the wealth. But that will create just like mutants. And, and, and unless you want mutational meltdown and the complete collapse of the species, there has to be something that stops that from going on. Yeah. And what that is, is that these mutants will ultimately, a lot of them, will have maladaptive desires, i.e. they will want to not breed. They will want to have abortions. They will, they will want to become 
the opposite sex and so not breed they will they will resign gradually from the gene pool and so eventually you just get back to where we were but the other problem is that it's also intelligent people uh, of of a certain kind yeah. not intelligent people that have adaptive instincts but but intelligent people that are more environmentally fluid um that 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 also resign from the gene pool and so ultimately you get a collapse the 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 uh harsh conditions uh re are, are reimposed and the 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 point from an, an evolutionary perspective is that the species survives that's all evolution doesn't care about our wealth and rise and fall it's just that the species yeah. re re retains optimum health across time okay. and there will be these fluctuations in, in population size and you get the same thing in all animals you get these fluctuations uh, in population size across time okay and so one thing to get a little science fictiony and perhaps to throw a spanner in the works is the state of technology now what if uh AI reaches a certain point where a stupid society, generally speaking, can just survive because technology assists in doing all of those hard, intelligent tasks. Well, that, that's kind of... And then also with the internet, all the, uh, all the intelligent people can balkanize across the world, right, and, and have conversations constantly while the average uh, IQ... Tips. They're still because of technology. It affects. Oh yeah, the intelligent I, I, people. I, I agree. I agree. With regard to the latter point, I think that I there is evidence already that you. Ha I mean, there is networking going on where where people are aware this is happening. That this collapse is happening. That we're going to basically America's going to turn into South Africa, Europe's going to turn into South Africa, and and there there are people planning uh, to basically reseed civilization in 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 small areas. So that that's already happening. As I say, I'm not saying that that. that until civilization dies i'm saying civilization shrinks um and what you would expect to happen as with byzantium would be that these it, but it would be easier than last time i suppose because of the internet to, and whatever um is that more intelligent people will, will find each other they will be attracted to each other because they will tend to be genetically relatively similar to each other and we are attracted to genetic similarity um and uh, and they will um and they will reseed civilization so that's that's true as for ai um, yeah, that you, 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 it's completely true. I mean, you, you have a Malthusian cycle, and in the Malthusian cycle, basically, you have a low population, therefore, you have a high standard of living, uh, therefore, you have easy conditions, therefore, the population increases. Population is too high, the result is disease, fighting, war, whatever, population collapses, and it just goes over again. That's the Malthusian cycle. What we've done is kicked the Malthusian cycle into the future, severely. So when Rome collapsed, you still had people would will clearly were much more genetically healthy, uh, much less dysgenic than we're going to be when we collapse. And people also passed on useful skills to a greater extent than we're doing. So you had this massive return to the land and people, you know, cities turning into gardens and whatever. But there would have been people that had no useful skill. They couldn't survive the new harsh conditions, you know, people that make glass or something. Um, and they yeah. would have died. Now, the problem is when we collapse, because we have we have... Uh, uh, we have we have gone so high then were a collapse to occur you it could be massive i mean to get if we to if we were returned which eventually we probably will be to uh, harsh darwinian conditions then that would mean that 90% of the population would have to die 90% couldn't survive in an agricultural economy so um, if we if what you're saying about ai happens uh, you you may be right and it may it may postpone the collapse until well we have an iq of let's say we probably had an iq of about 85 when we collapsed last time maybe yeah. you can postpone the collapse to have an iq of 70 
Yeah. Now, what, what that would mean is that it would be very difficult to start civilization again, of course. It would be absolutely horrendous collapse, and it would be a very small neo-Byzantium that would hold out. But right. I'm not too confident on this AI. We have to distinguish as well between AI, artificial, intelligence, artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence. And there is a chasm between the two. Artificial intelligence is a bit like those specialised abilities I mentioned earlier. It's about the intelligence of bees. Yeah. You pro the, the, the computer is programmed to do something very, very, very narrow. Uh, it's machine learning, and that's it. That's all it's programmed to do. Um, the idea that AI could start to solve our problems, i.e. it's an open loop, and it could come up with some solutions or whatever. Well, A, we could ignore it and if they were too based. Um, and, and, and B, that, that's a big difference. That's a huge difference uh, that, 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 that it does that. And we're, we're not very close to being able to achieve that. Okay. Well, I mean, it, 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 this is all science fiction, but it could be the case that it just reaches some sort of singularity and it eventually uh, masters enough narrow tasks that it can then formulate a, a general intelligence out of all these uh, sub-programs. But I, I don't know. Just talking science fiction. Well, yeah, maybe uh, yeah, sort of Ray Kurzweil sort of stuff, but it seems improbable because of the way in which we are not very far into this and we are precipitously falling in IQ. Okay. Um, and, and, and so um, I, I think it, I think it's um, it's improbable. And again, it ra it raises the question of how it is that you you would i mean what he's saying this ray Kurzweil, is oh it's just a matter of power we just don't have we, we have these possibilities but we just don't have enough enough ram essentially to be able to do this and once we've got enough ram it's fine well that's not quite true because programming programming um computers robots requires a very high level of intelligence to get them to do these complex programs and that intelligence is declining so uh, i i i don't um i don't I don't see how I, I don't see that it's very probable now. So you come bearing black pills. Is there a silver lining here? Is there is there a, do you have a, a hope or a, a, the, the notion of a possibility? A, a gray pill, a grape, a gray pill. Okay. A gray so pill. Gray. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, a yeah. grey pill, a grey pill, a mixture of a white pill and a black pill. Yeah. Um, um, yes, I suppose I do. I mean, in the se in in the sense that um, all of the uh, these nasty liberals who are dominating our lives at the moment are ultimately going to die off. So that's good, and there will be in admittedly in the context of collapse uh, and of the dividing up of into smaller policies, a movement back towards intelligent conservatism. Uh, uh, so that's good. Um, and I don't think there'll be a complete collapse of civilization the way we're going. I think that, w that it will be neo-Byzantiums. I mean, if you're right, if you're, what the predictions you were making earlier about AI, if that's right, then yeah, there could be a total collapse. We could carry on on life support for God knows how long. Eventually it'll decay when we have a very low IQ and it would just be mass death, 99% death. It'd be sort of Graham Hancock type type collapse where we're, we're remembered as gods by the, the surviving pygmies that are completely off the grid and and have vague memories of 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 developed people okay it would be like that um and i i i don't suspect that that's going to happen i think what's more likely is it's going to be more like it was last time around in the 400s which is the breakup of complex polities and the preservation of of these uh, byzantiums and as i say the model it seems to be kind of what's happening in South Africa. So the growth industry is going to be private security, the ability to generate your own electricity, 
uh, uh, that 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 sort of thing. Okay. Mad Max world. Mad whack. Mad Max world. How about um, you brought up intelligent conservatism? I'm thinking the the mm. rise of religiosity um, can be sped up by retooling the ancient traditions, retooling religion, retooling conservatism to make it a little bit more intelligent, to make it a little bit more palpable to the post-liberal people where, where um, belief is uh, thought of not as a literal uh, thing and, and that, that conservative values still have the possibility to uh, express curiosity and creativity, which have been traditionally or well, lately associated with liberal, um, the, the liberal... Uh, I'm not so sure. I mean, if you if you if you look at the the Thomists and the neo Thomists, then they very strongly believed in God. But their attitude was that their purpose was to reveal the nature of God's creation, uh, and therefore to lie was blasphemous. Uh, and this idea was implicit in Western universities, even once they stopped being overtly religious, till probably at least the 60s. That you, and, and then since then you have the rise of the you know, Horkheimer and the Frankfurt School and this idea that uh, academia is not about the truth at all. It's a, it's a, but but, but it's, a, it's about fighting your fights. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily inconsistent to, be, to, be, to really believe these things. Um, and be intelligent. In fact, among I did a study that among the Mormons, who are extremely well, they're going, they're falling apart. But among the um, uh, among the Mormons, there is positive selection for intelligence among Mormon communities. So I no, I don't see it like that. That what we're selecting for is actually re is among intelligent people is actually it's like fun. It's sort of almost fundamentalism. It's, it's really believing this stuff. Okay, and that and that leads to negative possibilities. So the the idea that oh well it's just going to be some some utopia. No, I mean imagine all of the bad things about life in the fifties. Imagine p children who are illegitimate being shunned, served in shops because of their stained bloodline. Yeah, you know it, that's the kind of stuff that might come back. Okay, um, which is a trade off. It's a trade off. Okay, and it's it's very difficult to get that that goldilocks zone that optimum um of the period where the group oriented religion has declined but the individually oriented religion which replaces it has not risen up too far yet yeah and there seems to be this and the intelligence is at a certain level and so then there's this optimum period which i don't know what it was between the 50s and the 2000s i don't know where we're highly creative and we do all these interesting movies and interesting comedies and all this stuff. Um, and now we look back on something like Friends or whatever, and we say, oh, we couldn't do that these days. It wouldn't be politically correct. Yeah. You'd have to, at the very least, it'd have to carry the message. You know, it has to be one of the friends that's be black and one of them has to be transsexual and, and, and whatever. Um, and so there's this period of optimum creativity, and I think that's now that's now past. Well, but maybe there are regions of optimal creativity, such as on YouTube and on social media, where people such as yourself and other creators and, and thinkers that that you admire get to pop up. Um, and they're, oh, maybe yeah, they're not I, mainstreamed, that's a, that's a, but they get that's to. A good, no, that's a that's a good point. Uh, the two two caveats to that. So I, I was thinking in terms of America and England when I said that that period, but obviously there are some places that are behind us. So I think, for example, Korea 
is probably having its 1980s, 1970s now. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's why there's all of this stuff, all of this cultural stuff, Squid Game, whatever, uh, are coming out of Korea. Yeah. Uh, and similarly, you're right, what, what YouTube is is evidencing is the, the, the fall of a unified society um, into various, to some extent, warring microcosms. Yeah. Um, so whereas we could all have access to the creativity of, uh, I don't know, D.H. Lawrence or wh whatever, there was a national culture. Uh, now it's that's going. Uh, there's the there's the rubric. There's the 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 uh, infrastructure of a national culture. But 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 the cultural level, it's this it's just, it's just dividing up. And so you end up with these microcosms and people being a bit like in somewhere like Somalia, where, you know, it's not there's no real national culture. It's divided up into tribes okay. and, 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 and just a, a bit like that. Do you think that there can be an international culture that serves what a national culture is, where people such as you, um, an Engl a Britishman living in Finland, can communicate with uh, various Americans and various? Well, that, but yeah, but that's what it, that's what's happening, isn't it? It's it, it's 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 the collapse of a national culture and the development. That's what happens in the breakdown of civilizations. It's the development. I mean, the Jews, for example, didn't come from nowhere. Uh, the, the 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 Jews were basically people from Phoenicia or whatever Palestine. Uh, who went off into the wilderness and developed a sense of their own identity and came back as being Jews. Um, and you've got this sort of thing now that, yeah, the, the development of a sense of cultural nexus based not around being, let's say, English, but around being based, or around being based and English, that's one possibility, uh, but also around being just based. And, 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 uh, and, and this, of course, could be, could be tr uh, transnational. Uh, and I think that that kind of thing is, is occurring, yeah. But it, but it, it's it, it's at the cost of the debasement of a sense of of the unified national culture that we have when I was a child or when you were a child, where everybody you know told the same jokes and watched the same programs on TV and 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 just did the same yeah. things. And it doesn't necessarily translate into um, uh, local structures that can support um, breeding, uh, family. Uh. You, you no, that's the thing. We are all, that's the, that's a good point. So we are ultimately animals that want to live with other animals in our Dunbarian one hundred and fifty number, uh, and and we feel unhappy if we don't do that. And we are evolved to be with people that are genetically similar to us, and we feel unhappy if we're not like that. Um, and so that's why I think that this process, this international cult, like you're talking about, would ha would probably be transient and would 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 eventually morph into groups of people that were genetically similar to each other that would club together all right so speaking of a uh, youtube what what's your what's your mission here uh what, what do you how did you uh, even start doing youtube shows um what, how did i start yeah. oh well oh, about four years ago and people were i people i did lectures at conferences and things like that and people said to me oh you're you're good a good lecturer you're a good speaker you should do a youtube channel and i said no i was born in 1980 i thought no that's not i can't do a youtube channel that's not what the young people do that's what the generation the the, the millennial people and the generation z people I, I can't do that and i i did one and and then um this didn't think about it and then i was on somebody else's youtube channel a guy called the delling pole delling pot james delling pole he's quite well-known journalist in the uk um and then i noticed all these people suddenly watching the one video i'd put up and so i, I thought oh, i'll do another one 
and then and then and then it just sort of took off i don't know and then suddenly there was a girl that used to be a youtuber that uh, i knew through somebody else and she advised me on what i should do who i should get in contact with sort of uh and then it just sort of really quickly uh apparently other youtubers that have been on there for years said that you've had like a meteoric rise uh and it just sort of took off really and then i discovered these concepts like live streaming and super chats and yeah. and um and then the alternative ones for the because of course the youtube clamped down period and whatever uh and it just sort of took off i don't know really i don't understand it myself and then and then during lockdown i i, I hit upon the idea of making it because it's called the jolly heretic which is an allusion to a pub it's a pub name in the uk the jolly farmer but i called it the jolly heretic because people say i'm reasonably jolly and i'm a heretic so i was named it i'm the jolly heretic but then i had this idea of it being a pub called the jolly heretic and then it kind of created this community particularly during lockdown where you, i'd have a beer and, and i'd answer their questions or i'd i'd interview somebody uh, and and then it just it and then it just sort of grew from there and and then you get I find people setting up channels the Jolly Heretic highlights channel the Jolly yeah. Heretic channel on TikTok the the the, the blah 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 um, and uh, and it just sort of took off really. So what what is your kind of your roadmap or your guiding principle at this point in time for this channel this uh, this persona yeah, I that you've created. I, Oh yeah, my roadmap. I got no. I don't. Do you just I respond to the things of the day. Yeah, you see something silly, yeah, and you're yeah, like, ah, I yeah. That's that, particularly with the thing that I innovated a few months ago, quick pint. So I used to do two live streams a week and then a video of about half an hour, where I I got known for doing a, a impression like a comedy skit at the beginning and dressing up as somebody and whatever. Yeah. And if people were saying oh, the problem, the problem is these are difficult to share with normies because they 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 mock they uh, immediately assume it's nonsense because of the comedy skit and I but then most of my uh, subscribers liked the comedy skit and so I resisted for but then I realized I could just do both can't I so so I started doing this quick pint and then that's really helped um I don't know if I have a I, I mean a rope I just just keep growing it and yeah. um well, it, 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 what about themes then what, what what do you end up talking about and what what's your kind of your general lens I'm just well, trying yeah, to it, it, a lot of it a lot to of my it. audience yeah so. yeah fair enough but a, a lot of it it's 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 basically uh wokeness wokeness comes up again and again and again yeah. the collapse of our universities Ugh. the collapse of our civilization uh, issues to do with intelligence and personality and psychology and the causes of psychological differences and particularly the genetics of these uh, and also just issues in science that are taboo taboo science so race sex differences transsexuality whatever these kinds of things and that that's pretty much it that's a that's a summary of what it tends to focus okay. on yeah and yeah. um do you do podcasts too, or is this mostly? I just don't know. What, what, what is a podcast? Uh, it's just it's it's like a YouTube video, but just without the video part. It's just a so just just talking with no video. Yeah, you you can just uh, just no, I don't. Yeah, okay, yeah. Should I do that? Yeah, you I don't should. Know. What do you, yeah. should I? Oh, yeah, right. you just well, you, when when you're outputting your video, do a, a sound file and then throw it on a podcast uh, application like uh, Anchor or Spotify or iTunes. Anchor. Yeah, uh, anchors now hmm. Spotify, but uh, we can talk about that after. Um, I should wrap up. What's the fun? Is there something fun that you do that has nothing to do with all of this uh, intelligence stuff? Like, what's your hobby out in Finland? Are you one of the guys who likes to ski with those uh, poles and your little sword, and you go out and fight the bears and in the woods? Is there a do you blow glass, weave? Um, 
so uh, no, 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 I don't. I, I, I like going to. I have. We have do a thing called Brits in. I live in Olu in northern Finland. We do a thing called Brits in Olu, where we meet up once a month or so at a Nepalese restaurant. So it has a kind of colonial feel. Okay. Uh, and have a Nepalese meal and and become severely refreshed. Well, so um, that's 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 okay. that, that, that's that's. Is there quite a lot fun. of songs there that happen there? Like not not well, not no not 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 no no not recently. No, it's, it's no. We, well, we might perform a poem occasionally, but no, it's mainly just tr drinking. Um, so so that's uh, that's quite fun. Uh, but uh, uh, otherwise. Uh, uh, no, no, that, that would be that would be that would be about it. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I can't think of any other hobby that would, people might regard as fun. No, no. Okay, but, all right. That's but I, I'm the landlord of the Jolly Heretic Public House, so I like a drink. Yeah, there we go, Mr. Dutton or Sir Dutton. Uh, have you been knighted yet? No. no just... Okay. Well, Edward, thanks very much for uh, coming on my show. You really kind of blew my mind, so I'm going to have to digest this, and I know my audience is going to have a lot to 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 think through in the comments. I look forward to hearing them. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And boom.